The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. The best laid plans of a fantasy podcaster once again go right out the window. We had plans, we had delusions today of covering a bunch of ADP information, which again, very early ADP information, but I was having a, a good time, slowly soft combing our way through it. And then yesterday happened, and I think we had to retool today's show just a little bit, don't you guys? We had, in my estimation, five pieces of fantasy-relevant news and one piece of news that was not super fantasy-relevant. And this was all yesterday. And then this morning, we had another big piece of fantasy-relevant news. And if you hear me typing in the background, that's me marking down on a notepad document the things that I definitely want to talk about on today's podcast and may forget to do. Got to take notes. Most of the time, and listen, I'll let you guys behind the curtain a tiny bit here. Most of the time, I can remember what I want to talk about on this podcast. Sure, I've got a bunch of internet tabs open on my computer screen. I can flip through them periodically as we're discussing things. I always want to make sure I have the player rank board open from last year. That's a very important tool for us. As we discuss player values, want to make sure what we're saying is accurate. But otherwise, for the most part, I can remember what I want to talk about on a given podcast, especially during the season, because heavily at that point, it's box scores and finding the the biggest, the the most relevant pieces of information. But right now, there's just so much happening. It was draft day yesterday, so lost in the tumult of the NBA draft, a bunch of other things went down. First of all, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a hoop ball presentation, hoop-ball.com. Get the Fantasy Pass on sale for $4.99 a month right now. There are competitors across the, the globe who would seek to steer you away. Do not be torn away from the great folks at Hoop Ball. $4.99 a month forever. It's $4.99 a month. Uh, it, right now, there's a six-month lock-in because it's draft window because that Fantasy Pass then gets you the rank sheet. The Brewski 150... When that becomes available, that's what I'm talking about, the rank sheet. You get the draft guide in the Fantasy Pass. You get all the in-season tools. And then again, after that first lock-in period, it goes month to month. You can cancel at any point after that first six-month set and still keep it at that crazy low price if you want to let it roll through. That's the Fantasy Pass at hoop-ball.com. So many people have put in so many hours on this. Over 400 player profiles Dynasty rankings are in there as well. Punt strategy guide and a whole bunch of stuff on yesterday's draft. The guys that got picked early, what are they going to do? Guys that got picked in the middle, late. How to plan your dynasty leagues or even your redraft leagues around it. And stuff on free agency, which starts tomorrow. It is the most comprehensive draft guide on the market. That we can guarantee. The Fantasy Pass, $4.99 a month at hoop-ball.com. I am Dan Bespers. Thank you so much again for listening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, we're in that time of year. said it earlier this week. I'll say it now as we move to the later part of the week. We're in that time of the year where people are re-finding podcasts. Many of you that have listened to this show in the past, I'm sure, are circling around 
you guys have uh, a few of you guys have hit me up on uh, Twitter or other methods, email if we've discussed that way to say hey, I'm back now, and that's great. We're happy to have you back. Whenever you decide to listen to this podcast, we are eternally grateful. I can already tell that folks are returning because uh, November is our highest listenership month since March, and there's still 11 days left in the month. What happened in March? Something somewhat significant happened in March, if memory serves. I just can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, so the hope, of course, is that here in the next few days, a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be back at, at kind of full throttle for the first time on this podcast in a very, very long while. So welcome back. If you're new, welcome in. We're thrilled to have you. I don't care how small or large the listenership is on any given day. Each one of you is critical to the growth of this podcast. And for that, I say, once again, thank you. And if you have 90 seconds and are enjoying the show, please drop a five-star review over on the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device or on iTunes if you're using a computer. All right, here's what's on the docket for today. Oh, by the way, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. That'll become relevant as we work our way through the other things we're going to talk about on today's podcast. I have seven bits of NBA news we need to talk about. We want to talk about hoop ball leagues, particularly for those that are, again, kind of coming back and listening to the podcast this week for the first time in a number of months or people joining us for the first time. We have, of course, some promo to do. We already told you about the Fantasy Pass. There will be others. And if you want to hit me up about any of the things we talk about, Twitter's the way to do it, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. So let's start, and this is, I don't think this is chronological. Maybe it is. Um, we're going we're gonna to veer off course from a timeline perspective. But the things we want to go over from yesterday, there were four trades that happened during the NBA draft. If I'm getting my chronology right, I might have said three earlier in the show. I think there were four that happened during the NBA draft, and three of those were were very fantasy relevant. So we want to talk about those, um, which I think, how did I say seven things? I think we have eight things we have to talk about. And then there were one, two, three, four. Yeah, four other things. My goodness. All right, well, let's just dive in. We're not going to go in any particular order because, look, I just wrote them down, and that's the order we're going to go in. It's all it's all out of whack. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Let's start on that one because that's the easy one. We spent like 10 minutes on yesterday's podcast talking about what the Bogdanovich sign-in trade meant for both Milwaukee and Sacramento, and then it came apart. Bogdan's group, whatever it is, his camp representing him said that there was no agreement in place and that he intends to enter restricted free agency tomorrow, Friday. There are thoughts among NBA circles that this is actually both teams just pulling back from a report that wasn't technically allowed to surface before Friday so as to avoid tampering fees. But of course, if Bogdan does end up doing the original sign-and-trade to Milwaukee, you've got to figure that there will be tampering fees. So I, I don't know how they avoid that. Do they change the terms of the deal in some way? Or is it just like you're going to have to bite the bullet and you can cover it up as much as you want? Or, conversely, does he really not want to go to Milwaukee? Does he really want to be a restricted free agent? Does he think that's going to net him, I don't know, a better destination? Does he think it's more likely to keep him in Sacramento if he wants to be there? Regardless... You can just throw out what we talked about yesterday temporarily. Don't put it in the garbage. Put it in your real-life 
computer recycling bin where we can pull it back out if tomorrow or Saturday news comes that he does ends up getting end up getting uh, signed and traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. But of course, if he ends up somewhere else, we redo this whole thing. The Dante DiVincenzo stuff on the Kings, which we were pretty excited about, that gets put in the recycling bin. Uh, Bogdan's value cratering in Milwaukee, playing lower minutes with as a fourth or fifth option, cratering the value of, of Bogdan. That goes in the recycling bin as well. So now we just have to put a pause on that. All right, that's an easy one. We can knock that one off the list. Uh, that was that was the simplest one, I think, that, that took place yesterday. The, I think the largest news that came out yesterday, if we're going to go in that order now, is that Clay Thompson may be very badly hurt. We don't have the exact information on it yet. There are tests happening as we speak, and our timelines will be flooded with the result of them as soon as they become public. But yesterday, Shams and Woj both tweeting, that Clay Thompson hurt his lower right leg during a practice run and is going to be uh, getting further evaluation. It's the kind of thing that you don't hear during a non-basketball time of year unless it's a very big deal. So as much as I'd like to stay optimistic, and Woj did tweet late last night, there's still some measure of optimism that he won't have to miss the entire season. I mean, think about the phrasing of that. Hoping you won't have to miss the season. So, like, they're hoping it's not a torn Achilles. They're hoping it's something that maybe will only cost him months instead of a full year. Either way, it's a big deal, and the repercussions of this news ripple throughout fantasy and the Warriors and the Western Conference. Because without Clay, the Warriors are not a guaranteed playoff team. Good as Steph Curry is, and good as Draymond Green can be when he's really fighting it, and I thought it was going to be that time this year, this looks an awful lot like last year's Warriors. If they're going into it not knowing, and last year they knew Clay Thompson was was like, well, maybe he'd play by like March or April, but that was always kind of a pipe dream. If this is another massive injury for him, he probably won't be playing until at least that same time frame. So you're looking at the same Warriors who started the year, mind you, they started the year poorly, before the Steph injury, and then they got really bad because they went into full tank mode. I don't think they want to do that a second year in a row. But to me, th- this puts them in a dogfight. This means that guys like Steph are not going to get the rest days that they probably would have liked. Draymond's going to have to play harder. They're going to expect more out of everyone. So this, for all intents and purposes, I think, is is really fantasy-wise. It's very good news for Steph, for Dre, because they're not going to mail in a second season in a row. The Warriors just don't, you know, human beings that expect to win don't have that in their DNA. And, I mean, can you really just mortgage two years of Steph? No, you cannot. Uh, Warriors ended up with with Wiseman in the draft yesterday, Um, but again, you guys know my feeling on rookies. He he obviously goes into a good spot with a bunch of very good basketball players around him, but to me, this is more about what it means. The Warriors are going to be battling for the, you know, 8-7-6 zone, I would think, in the Western Conference in probably a best-case scenario, 6 or, you know, 5 or 6, but, you know, I think they're going to be fighting with, uh, with teams like the Suns, with teams like the maybe put the Mavs in there. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the Rockets here coming up, but maybe they're in that bunch now as well that, you know, the Warriors are going to need their key guys to play a lot of games. So I think from a, a per game standpoint, it doesn't change a, a ton, 
there was always going to be a lot of Steph with or without Clay. I think from a totals standpoint, you can probably feel a bit more comfortable getting those guys into your draft board. And on the Clay front, we just, you know, at this point, we just pray. Just hope that it's not a full season gone and it's a couple of months. But either way, you ain't drafting him now. You can't do it. Don't draft an injured guy to start the year, especially if he's going to miss, one would assume, based on the early reporting and tea leaf reading, significant time. How significant, we don't know yet. But it'll be something. And that probably leads us nicely a segue. I once saw a comedian who said the word segue during his segues. It was a very odd bit. But anyway, we're going to segue here into another player who's not going to be ready to start the year. And actually two, because I forgot to mention one, news that came out a couple days ago that Christoph Porzingis is not going to be ready to start the year. Maybe we did hint at, at this on a podcast. I can't remember. Can you guys remember? I can't remember what I ate last night. So Kristaps uh, Porzingis is not going to be ready to start the year. That's not the breaking news. Uh, JJJ, also not going to be ready to start the season this coming year. He dealing with a meniscus injury. He had surgery, I believe, two months ago, maybe three but he's not quite ready to go yet. That's a big deal. Grizzlies are going to be very careful with him. They are not a guaranteed playoff team. I think they're going to be trying, but to me, they actually don't. That's a team that's not making the playoffs this coming year. They, To me, they, I don't think they have the veteran leadership. I don't think they have the guys to sort of galvanize them, and I don't know that Morant is quite the superstar yet that can lead a team into the playoffs. So... You know, they're not going to rush him back. And then guys never really truly come back 100% from stuff like this. They just don't. I mean, there's always a lingering thing. And I'm not talking about long-term. He'll be fine long-term. The, the technology and rehab situation is is great these days in the NBA. I'm talking about short-term. Whenever he comes back, there's going to need to be ramp-up. There's going to be conditioning. There's going to be games where he's not playing as many minutes. There's the risk of an additional injury if he tries to work his way back too quickly. It's a it's too dangerous. I think people are going to still take a chance on him, and I'm not one of them. You guys know we talk mostly about Roto on this thing. You can make some slight adjustments in head-to-head if you think you can just sort of stay afloat until guys come back. But to me, it, there's just no reason to do it. I know everybody's like, oh, I'll get my guy back, and I, and I steamroll towards the playoffs. This season, more than maybe any other, and and this is already one of our tenets on this show that we almost never break from, get out to a quick start. You have to get out to a quick start. It's a shorter season, 72 games instead of 82, meaning you lose two to three weeks of your head-to-head season, and if you're still lopping off a silly season, then your regular season in head-to-head is like 18 or 19 weeks at most this year. So if you get off to a slow start, you don't have time to come back. You end up having to drop injured guys in the middle of the year. There is this, there's this domino effect that people don't think about when they're like, I'm going to stash this guy, and then I'm going to use him when he comes back to blitz towards the playoffs. But what doesn't quite... like that's, that, that's great in theory, but it never plays itself out that way because inevitably, all of our fantasy teams will have other injuries. And in a shortened, speedy season like this one, it'll probably be even more significant than usual. We all have other injuries. If you're banking on a dead roster spot in a head-to-head league with unlimited games played, because most of the ones that I've ever been in have been that way, 
I don't like joining weekly leagues. That's maybe a way you could get around it. I'm mostly in daily leagues. There are no games cap in head-to-head. So an injured guy on your team is putting up zeros. He's costing you every week. You're going to have trouble beating healthy teams if you're squatting on someone. Maybe you get lucky. Maybe you play another team that has a couple of guys out with injury, and so it's an evenly matched thing. But if you're playing me, if I'm your opponent in week one, I'm going to have a healthy team to start the year, and I'm going to club you, and I'm going to get out to a quick start. Because when my guys get hurt in the middle of the year, I'm going to have a lead. I'm going to be in first or second place because my team was healthy to start the year, and I'm going to be able to weather it when I lose a couple weeks in a row because my guys just all got hurt at the same time. It happens. We all have this. I think I feel like each of us has posted that picture to our friends in a WhatsApp or, or on social media where it's like there's eight guys on your roster with an injured tag on them. It happens to every team every year at some point. I think mine was in December last year. I don't know. I don't remember. When. There was one year where I had like nine guys out in January. It was, it was crushing. This year, slightly different timeline. The point is, you need to be able to weather that storm. If you were already dealing with injuries when that storm hits and you were in fifth or sixth place treading water, trying to hang on until your key guys came back and more guys get hurt, you're going to have to drop them. It happens in every head-to-head league every year. Roto teams just fall farther behind. It's, I mean, you, you get there. I mean, we don't even need to talk about Roto, why you need to get off to a quick start. It's so important. It allows you to draft a little bit and then utilize your games for the, the stats you need. Two years ago, when I won my head-to-head league, it was because another team had too many injuries and I had to drop Jonas Valanciunas. So I had to drop him. He was still on the Raptors at this point. It was pre-trade. I picked him up. I was like, great, I'm going to get a top 90 guy. And then he got traded and he was a top 40 guy the rest of the way. Because I squatted on him for like four weeks. Because I could. Because I could. Because I was in second, first or second place and my team had already sort of weathered its injury storm. And I thought, cool, my team's mostly healthy. I'm in great spot. Let me pick up this dude. I'll take some zeros for three or four weeks. And then I'm going to get a difference maker. That's what you can do when you get off to a quick start. So don't draft injured players to start the year. It's, it's the number, probably two rule that we abide by here on Fantasy NBA Today. And if you do it and it works for you, don't tell me it worked. That just means that one guy finally beat it. It was, I, listen, we all remember it. Russell Westbrook was that guy. A couple years ago in Oklahoma City, he was injured to start the year. They said he was going to miss a few weeks. It looked like it was going to be a disaster. He came back like two games into the season. That never happens. Everyone else is Paul George. One time Russell Westbrook happened. Every other time it's always Paul George. Paul George was going to miss a few weeks to start this last season with his shoulder stuff. He came back. He tried to get his conditioning up too quickly. His hamstrings blew. It, It happens every year. When guys try to make their recovery early in the season, missing the beginning of the season, they always come back too fast. Like 90 more more percent of the time. Don't play those odds. That's horrible odds. Ugh. Ugh. Someone's going to do it. One of you guys is going to do it. And I'm going to be so disappointed. But I'll get over it because I love you. Uh, check out mybookie.ag, by the way, if you want to be on board with us when we start getting into the NBA. I'll be making wagers on the NBA. Brew will be making wagers on the NBA. That's part of our wager pass package 
over at hoop-ball.com, which is just $9.99 a month to get our top betting plays all year round. That one is a year-round easy one. Once you get in, you're in, man. We will be slowly building our bankrolls. We will be discussing everything, literally everything, props, uh, college football, college basketball, NFL, college football, soccer, Troy's on soccer, Devin just crushing those footies. We've got, uh, we'll do prop, uh, what did I, I know I said prop bets. Um, I want a bunch of money actually betting on the election. Where If there's a way to make a coin, we will find it. That's what we can promise with the wager pass. But uh, get on board with us. My bookie is so easy to use. It's, I've been using it since January, and it's been great. MyBookie.ag promo code when you sign up is HoopBall to please let them know we sent you. That's very important. Use the promo code HoopBall, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, when you sign up at MyBookie.ag. Get into the betting game, man. It's fun. $45 is the minimum credit card deposit, so it's really not much to get started. You can put 5 bucks on a game, 10 bucks on a game, and I'm willing to guess that over the next couple of weeks, we'll get some odds boost promotions happening as college basketball and and uh, the NBA get fired up. So you're not going to want to miss those. Those were just free actual cash that they were giving out. Simple as that. We made like we made like $170-200 over the two odds boost promos they run. Real cash. You could cash it out the next day. So easy to cash out to. E-check takes a couple of days. Bitcoin, they can get to you very fast if you're into that sort of thing. Um, it's just, again, it's just easy to use. Customer service is easy. You bet, you win, they pay. MyBookie.ag, promo code HoopBall. All right, so we've talked about guys that are hurt to start the year. We've talked about the Bogdan sign-in trade that fell through. Let's get into the actual trades that happened yesterday because I think there's a decent amount of fantasy information tied up in those as well. And the first one, I believe, was the Al Horford move, which I adore. Philadelphia finally getting out from Al Horford. I say finally, but he was only there for a year. Philadelphia getting out from underneath the Al Horford contract by sending Al to the Oklahoma City Thunder along with more picks because that's what the Thunder need right now is more picks for Danny Green. This is a, a brilliant trade. And I don't know if this was Maury or Elton Brand or a combination of both, but this is a fantastic trade for Philadelphia. And everybody's like, oh, you gave Horford all this money and had to get out from under him and all you got was Danny Green. You had to give picks away just to... Yeah, guess what? There's a thing called cutting your losses. Sitting on Horford's terrible contract to try to move him on, say, a, an expiring year would have been a horrible idea. They would have blown through key championship window. And yes, Philadelphia is a championship contending team if they utilize their pieces right. They were very good. They were the best home team in the NBA last year. They could beat anyone on any given night, which you can't say about a lot of teams. So now they had Danny Green, terrific defense, great floor spacer, which is exactly what they've needed. They did not need... Uh, sort of a slow-moving, wise, old, power-forward-center hybrid on that team. They got rid of Horford's cash, which frees up a, a truckload of money, Danny Green making less this year, and he's an expiring deal. So by all accounts, this was just a win all the way around. Danny Green's not going to have fantasy value in Philadelphia. There's just there's too many people in front of him in the pecking order. He would be not that dissimilar from his role in Los Angeles, you know, there's going to be a Ben Simmons, there's a Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, all those guys are getting shots in front of him, but he's going to be out there, he's going to do his job, he's going to take his seven shots a game, and he's going to play, I would think, a pretty significant chunk of minutes on the wing. He's going to be same old Danny Green. 
So from a fantasy standpoint, it doesn't mean a whole lot for him, but it's great for Philadelphia. He is the kind of player they need on that roster, and they got him. Which, by the way, of course, all of that, you know, when he got traded, it pretty much locked in the fact that the Dennis Schroeder deal was happening. So that's now uh, official, but we already talked about that, so we're not going to move back in time. Now, what about the other half of this thing? What about Al Horford going to Oklahoma City, and people are like, oh, they're going to buy him out, they're going to flip him. Eh, it ain't that easy, guys. Look at this from OKC's standpoint. Big Al has uh, a ton, actually. I think is the, is the official terminology. He has a ton left on his contract. Uh, he's set to make $27.5 million this season, and then he has two more years after that. 27.5 this year, 27, and then 26.5. So there's three years left on his deal as of today. You're not buying that out. You're not buying out an $80 million contract for a player who's actually still pretty good, but you never would have known it by watching him in Philadelphia in his clunky, clumsy backup role. And you're not really going to be able to trade him because nobody wants to pick up an $80 million contract on an aging center. Who will be, who is 34 already. So he's very much on the tail end of his prime and, and cruising out of it at a pretty good velocity. What this looks like to me, and I don't think it's uh, clever to say it, I, in fact, I, I think I saw it bouncing around on social media yesterday anyway, is that this is like Chris Paul 2.0 for Oklahoma City. They had space to bring in that salary, and they're in no massive hurry to finish their rebuild. It's just not going to happen overnight. So OKC was like, look, uh, we can afford to put Big Al's money on our books for a couple of years. We're going to basically buy picks by taking on Horford's salary. You give us salary and picks, and we'll ease your burden in the process. Does anybody see the Thunder winning a, a, a championship over the next two to three years? Absolutely not. There's no chance. They don't have the star power. They haven't made the draft picks yet. They, they have a billion of them, but as far as we know, not very many are going to be at the very tippy top of the draft. They had already moved Chris Paul, so the guy that galvanized them and, and dragged them into the playoffs this last year is gone. Gallo is a free agent, so he's gone. They, well, there's another part of this. They're trying to move Kelly Oubre by all accounts, and Ricky Rubio has already been moved, and that's a trade we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. They're not trying to win right now. They're going to give Shea Gilgis-Alexander and the rest of their youth an opportunity to grow together, but they're going to be bad. They're going to be a bad team for a little bit. And so, you know, Sam Presti's like, what are we going to do? You think we're going to be pushing for the championship next year? So let's take Big Al, we'll let him rehabilitate his value, and then we'll flip him next year. Just like they did with Chris Paul, with two years left on his deal, to a team that wants a center that can look half decent. And if that doesn't work, then they'll flip him as an expiring the following year, because they'll still not be making their championship push. This is a, you know, three, four, five year plan for the Thunder to stockpile assets, and then at some point, probably, I'm guessing, around when Al Horford can be moved, they'll probably just push a bunch of their stuff into the middle and go make a, a, a run at a superstar. Like two years from now. And then having Big Al around might actually be kind of helpful. 
This, to me, says a couple of things. They're desperately trying to move Kelly Oubre for whatever they can get because, they again, they basically just want to tank and lose at this point and just keep accruing assets and as high up on the draft board as possible. And they're trying to move Steven Adams, who we've been talking about. I thought he would be the first guy to get traded off that team, and it looks like he might be the last because he is an expiring deal. Which, of course, means... And truly, I think Steven Adams... There's a very real chance he gets traded before the season starts. If he doesn't, we have to change our trajectory a little bit. Al Horford was number 64 last year in maybe his worst situation ever. He's always actually had a really interesting fantasy game. He doesn't score a bunch. He doesn't do anything a bunch. But he's always been pretty good at a whole bunch of stuff. Percentages have been good. Steal, a block. Four assists, six and a half, seven rebounds. Like, nothing that blows you away, but you roll it all together. When you're league average in every statistical category, you're a top 60 guy. If he does anything better than that, he rockets up the board pretty fast. But a lot of this is going to come down to whether or not Steven Adams is on that team on opening night. We got plenty of time to see him get moved somewhere. And then the question is where? If I had my fantasy draft right now... I would not be hunting Al Horford. Especially, again, when you consider the fact that, you know, what if they have to squat on Steven Adams for, you know, a couple of, a month, two months here leading up to a trade deadline? They'll get his rest days because they'll keep him in bubble wrap, make sure he's easy to move, and Horford will play starters minutes in those. But when those two guys are on the team at the same time, neither one of them is probably going to be doing enough to be a, a great fantasy asset. So you got a couple of angles to look at with this. Horford has upside now, backing up Steven Adams instead of Joel Embiid. He's, I mean, you could potentially even argue that he's better than Steven Adams, although it depends, I think, on, on what you need out of your guy. Adams is, is the younger one. And what if, what if Steven gets traded between now and opening day? So another reason, by the way, to have your fantasy drafts as close to opening day as humanly possible, because stuff like this is going to make a really big difference. But I'll say this. Keep a close watch on Horford. If he gets the starting center job on that team prior to opening night, he could end up being a very, very useful fantasy player. Moving right along, the Thunder were busy yesterday, and Ricky Rubio, was, who was just acquired, was sent right along. He is back in Minnesota. Which is weird, because I was actually kind of excited about Ricky Rubio with the Thunder as the guy kind of setting up the Shays and whatever the, whatever the young guys that they were uh, going to be utilizing or bringing in over this <laughs> next like quarter century. Um, it's a really weird, it's a very weird deal. Uh, the, the specifics are not super important. Rubio was basically the only human that got traded in this deal. Everything else was picks. But Rubio now is back in Minnesota, presumably to play and you know exclusively the facilitator role alongside D'Angelo Russell, who they now move off ball a little bit more often, and Cat uh, certainly the you know the two main usage guys. So th- this is tough. This this to me bumps him down the board a little bit. Rubio at 61 last year, he had nine assists per game. I think his minutes are going to be fine, and his steals are going to be fine. But I can't imagine he does as much with the Timberwolves this year as he was slated to do with either the Suns or the Thunder if he had played this season out with those two organizations. He was going to be 
you know, with the with the Suns, he was always going to be kind of behind Devin Booker as the guy who initiates the offense. With the Thunder, you could have argued that he might have even been the lead guy to just get them into their offense. With Minnesota, D'Angelo Russell is very clearly the lead guy, kind of playing that role of Devin Booker. But then behind that, there are going to be so many offensive sets that just start with Cat, as opposed to if you look at Phoenix, they were going to just start an offensive set with DeAndre Ayton. It's a very different dynamic. So for Rubio... This hurts his value a little bit. I think he'd be happy to play in Minnesota on a team that now is trying to turn a corner and get better, as opposed to the Thunder who are kind of turning a corner to try to get worse. If you're not going to be in Phoenix, he'd rather be back in Minnesota, where he had some of the best fantasy years or career years of his existence. But 13, 4.5, and 9 to me feels like the upper reaches of what he can accomplish with this team. So I think you move him down your draft board a little bit. And then there were a, you know, a handful of what you might call smaller deals that took place yesterday. The Rubio one happened during the draft, and then there were three other deals that took place during the draft. There was a very small one, Landry Shamit was sent to Brooklyn. Luke Kennard was sent to the Clippers, and then a pick, I think, went to Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Who cares about the pick? Uh, but all this does really is take Luke Kennard from an intriguing uh, kind of medium usage scoring type on Detroit to being a, a backup type on the Clippers, so his fantasy value is now deceased. I want to jump in quickly here before I talk about the last couple of trades during the draft to remind you guys that hoop ball leagues are open. If you haven't gotten in one, Get in one now. We have 13 of them at the moment, and we'll just keep adding people until we're done. Simple as that. We'll just keep adding people until folks stop wanting to join the leagues. We'll just, we already have uh, five head to head cash leagues open, and that fifth one is almost full. And when it is, we'll open up a sixth one. So don't worry about saying, hey, if there's room, I'll jump in, whatever. Just hit us up. We will get you in a league right now. It's very easy. It's only November 19th. We got plenty of time. Slow drafts don't start until uh, the beginning of the second week of December. So you got almost three weeks still to get into these hoop ball leagues. Still, if you're thinking about it, do it soon. You can hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com, which, by the way, are the same two ways you can hit me up if you want to be a part of our team at Hoop Ball. We are recruiting for sales, fantasy writing, team-specific writing, podcasting, marketing, DFS, gambling, you name it, we're looking for the best and the brightest for contributor roles here at HoopBall. And of course, if you want to do some sales, that would be a way you could make a little coin in the process. Again, at Dan Bespris on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Let's talk about those last two trades that went down yesterday that I think could have a little bit of fantasy significance. First one is one that, that may have flown under the radar and that's Utah sending Tony Bradley to the Pistons, who uh, are getting younger and trying to work on their own rebuild in the strange, goofy way that they have. And this is this is an interesting one because, you know, it does a couple of things. Number one, it I think if, if Detroit wants to, it allows them to slide Blake Griffin down to the four slot because, remember, last year they were sort of demoing different guys uh, at the five, nobody was really sticking until Christian Wood at the end of the year. They finally turned him loose. Um, Don Maker played some five for Detroit, and, you know, he's just 
frankly, not that great of a basketball player. So I don't know that we need to super worry about that. Uh, Maker had a, uh, he's, I think he's a restricted free agent if they offer him a qualifying offer. I don't know if I've, I haven't seen if Detroit has or not. They may just let him walk. And acquiring Tony Bradley makes me think that they probably will let him walk. What this also does for Detroit is that if they can't now afford the services of Christian Wood, who is an unrestricted free agent, it does give them a center that they can plug in and play, you know, 25 minutes or whatever, and then maybe let Blake Griffin chew up 10 to 15 and play some young backup center the other few minutes. So uh, does this put Tony Bradley on a fantasy team today? Mm, nah, probably not. I mean, we we really don't know enough about his game to say whether or not he's he's going to be a, a colossal success. He's been backing up Rudy Gobert in Utah, played 12 total games his first two seasons, and then this last year played 58 games after about 11 minutes, four, uh, five points, four and a half rebounds, and a little more than half a block. So you extrapolate that. You know, if he's playing 25-ish minutes as a starter, you could see him somewhere in the, you know, 14 and 8, something like that range, maybe a block and a half. Uh, not a great free throw shooter from what we've seen, although that also somewhat limited in terms of sample size. And this all becomes a moot point if the Pistons bring back Christian Wood, which they obviously should try to do, but he's probably going to make a decent amount of money on the open market, and we'll see if they want to uh, throw a good chunk at him. Again, they should, but they might not. And if they don't, this is the guy who right now is probably their starting center on that team. That's a weird roster, man. The Pistons have <laughs> um, the Pistons have turned things over a little bit, and it's kind of it's flooring that uh, Derek Rose hasn't been moved yet. But uh, Tony Snell opting in, he's still on the roster. Blake Griffin's on the roster. They traded Luke Kennard now, so. Uh, they traded Bruce Brown. Um, who's left? Svi Mikhailuk, Sekou Dumbuya, and um, and now Tony Bradley. John Henson, by the way, came off. Brandon Knight came off. Langston Galloway came off. Jordan McRae came off, if you were tracking on that one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's their starting center right now while we wait on the Christian Wood situation to finish developing. That team has nobody left. You might draft Derek Rose and just... Let you know, see what you get out of him for two months before he gets traded. Who the hell? Like, there's there's no one on that team that can create. Yeesh. Luke Kennard was basically their third option. Holy smokes, that's going to be a tough team to watch this year. And then the last trade that went down during the draft, and this one was a relatively interesting one, the uh, 76ers sent Josh Richardson to the Dallas Mavericks for Seth Curry. And I know there are always picks involved. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, because those have no bearing on what I'm doing with my fantasy team. Josh Richardson was set to make $11 million this season and about 11 and a half next year if he exercised his player option. He might end up opting out if he thinks he can make around that much and get a longer-term deal. So, uh, effectively, he is an expiring contract. I think we can probably call him that because I think think he'll most likely opt out, but you just sort of never know with these guys. And then Seth Curry is uh, signed a bit longer. He's making about $8 million a year this year and two additional ones. But again, that's relatively affordable for someone who is quietly one of the best shooters in the entire league. 
So you can see what the Sixers are doing. They're doing what brought them success two years ago when they had guys like Arisan Eliasova, uh, Marco Bellinelli, guys that were um, able to open up the floor for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And they're getting back to that now with Seth Curry, uh, with Danny Green. That's the mode they're working towards, and I think it's a really wise one. You lose a bit defensively, downgrading Josh Richardson to Seth Curry, but again, you put one of the best shooters in the league out on the floor, and it just makes the superstars better on that team. I don't think that Seth Curry is going to be able to do enough in Philly. He was close to being able to do enough in Dallas for stretches last year, but he's now so far down the pecking order that, to me, there's there's no reason really to draft him. I just think from a reality standpoint, this is a pretty good deal uh, for the, the 76ers. They get another guy that fits what they're trying to build around Embiid, around Simmons, and even if you want to say around Tobias Harris, because that contract ain't going anywhere, who's, by the way, he's not a bad player, but yeah, he's probably you know making a little bit too much money. Josh Richardson is more the story in this because he goes to a Dallas team that's going to be without Kristaps Porzingis to start the year, relying heavily on Luka Doncic and Tim Hardaway Jr. to get their points again early in the season. Uh, and then you drop Josh Richardson in there in a, a much more comfortable role. He's he's now basically their, you know, I think he slots right in to basically be their third option when Porzingis is healthy. You know, you want to put him in kind of a, a dead heat with Tim Hardaway Jr. And now getting a bit of his usage back, that moves him into the discussion of a useful fantasy player. He was not good in Philadelphia last year. His usage went down. But the things that everybody was hoping for, which is, will his defensive stats come back to what he was doing earlier in his... He's still young, by the way, his career. And they did not. His minutes were down four. He was hurt for most of the season. He never quite got right. And now he goes to a place where his shots probably go back up from 12 to 13 or 14. Uh, You see him make a bigger dent in three-pointers. He's not going to be a good field goal percent guy, but I think he'll be out on the floor long enough to get you more than a steal a game. He's a very good shot blocker from a guard position. He'll probably get you around .7 blocks per game. Uh, And I think you're looking at a guy who's probably, you know, going to move back from that top 100, top 120 range to maybe more like top 80. I think Jay Rich becomes pretty interesting this year. I also think he was he was a guy I was looking at anyway because he was getting drafted so late. Maybe this gets him a little bit more buzz, or maybe this is one of those trades that just kind of flew under the radar and people aren't fully aware that he's now next to a guy in Doncic who's going to get him a truckload of good looks. A truckload. So Jay Rich now. He's got an inside track towards the Dan Bespris old man squad but there might be a little bit too much buzz. We'll just have to wait and see. Yahoo are now, by the way, announcing that uh, their ADP data, their first chunk of ADP data is coming out on the 25th of November. So that's six days from today. We'll be able to start breaking down where these guys are actually going in Yahoo drafts and Yahoo mocks. Friends, check out manscaped.com and use coupon code hoopball 20 to get 20% off your purchase of a lawnmower 3.0, a weed whacker, or the Shears 2.0. Get yourself a luxury nail kit. Those things are sweet, and they're cheap and affordable. I shouldn't say they're cheap, because then it makes them sound like they break. They don't. They're great. They are very affordable. Just 20 bucks. Use the coupon code. You can get uh, 20% off and free shipping on your luxury nail kit, the Shears, or the weed whacker. That's only a little bit more. Or if you want to go ahead and, and do the whole shamil, get the big lawnmower 3.0. That's their, their pristine 
That's their their uh, their flagship item over at Manscaped.com. Coupon code once again Hoopball twenty. So make sure to check that out immediately. And that, good friends, I believe, wraps up our bit of a lightning round through here. So just to recap, uh, Ricky Rubio back in Minnesota. JJJ, Chris Stop's not ready to start the year. Danny Green is in Philly. Al Horford is in Oklahoma City. Clay Thompson is out for a long time. Bogdan signed and trade got canceled. Jay Rich to the Mavs. Seth Curry to the 76ers. Tony Bradley to the Pistons. Landry Shamit to the Nets. Luke Kennard to the Clippers. Hoop ball leagues are open. And the fantasy pass is $4.99 at hoop-ball.com. Folks, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. As always, tomorrow we will be putting out our show a little bit later. I tried to warn you guys about that on yesterday's pod, but I'll remind you again today. Tomorrow's episode will be coming out later. We're going to do it after free agency breaks when we can start talking about some of the guys getting signed. That way it's got a little bit better shelf life over the weekend. Uh, That should be a lot of fun. We're waiting on a number of guys. And then... We can really, and I mean, this is why we start diving more into the drafts starting in the middle of next week, is because we will finally know where players are going to be, and then we know where to draft them. First, we find out where they are, we find out their ADP, then we draft them. Say with me, guys, I will not draft a player injured on opening night. I will not draft a player injured to start the year. It's your tenant. Get out to a quick start. This is fantasy nba today i am dan vespers drop a five-star review if you could that's it drop a five-star review please 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 we'll talk to you tomorrow probably in the afternoon so long everybody this has been a hoop bowl presentation